Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. And if you have your Bible, 1 Samuel 23, and uh, we've heard uh, last night, of course, and then again today, uh, the ability to see clearly uh, a quality of transparency, uh, purity, visual vision. There's a lot of attachments, clarity of mind, discernment, unbiased, emotional clarity. Uh, But my aim tonight is pastoral clarity, ministerial clarity. Jonathan, to me, is a study in clarity. And this is so critical to your effectiveness, to your success in the ministry, to your destiny. Malaysia, the late 80s, first month or weeks of 1990, our fellowship was in a crisis. I was a missionary in a foreign country. I'd been there about two and a half years. And the individuals, the man who was preaching when I was saved, the man who had witnessed to me, brought me into the fellowship, had assembled with some other men, and these were basically... People I'd preached for, had relationships with, they'd been in Malaysia. My relationship with Pastor Mitchell at that time uh, wasn't uh, exceptionally close. Of course, we knew each other, we talked, but. And these men were going to leave the fellowship. And those of you who remember 1990, it was a huge crevice, this rebellion. How was I able to see through that? We're talking relationships. We're talking people who had had a powerful influence on my salvation and even being a part of this. How was I able to have the clarity that was critical? To any ministry in the future, destiny, my being here tonight, what were some of the hidden factors? I want to minister tonight on a call to clarity, 1 Samuel 23, 
Verse number 15. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Seth in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods, strengthened his hand in God. And he said to David, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David stayed in the woods. Jonathan went to his own house. Father, tonight we come once again by the blood. We thank you, the words, the messages we've heard. God, I pray tonight you bind up the brokenhearted. You set at liberty those that are bruised. You open prison doors to those who are bound. Heal the sick. And may the gospel forever be preached to the poor. God, move tonight. Give people spiritual clarity, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a very interesting thought. Here is a father and son, Saul and Jonathan, a contrast in clarity. It's amazing that Jonathan could be raised in Saul's house and yet have such spiritual clarity because his father is a picture of confusion, perplexity. He's always unsettled. He's incoherent in mind, decisions, emotionally. He's all over the map. He was a farmer who became a king. He had the appearance, but he lacked the heart. The Bible said he stood head and shoulders above men. Some scholars say he was tall, dark, and handsome. But he was so mentally disorientated that he wasted his influence, his calling, and his effectiveness for God. This is amplified in his relationship with David. One moment he loves David. He calls on David to play the harp and minister to him. The next moment... He wants to pin him to the wall with a spear and perhaps even put it through his flesh. One moment he's complimenting David, the next in 1 Samuel 24, 17. Then he said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good where I've rewarded you with evil. And two chapters later, by 26, Saul is out again to kill David. 1 Samuel 26, 18, and David said, Why does my Lord thus pursue his servant? For what have I done or what evil is in my hand? The lack of clarity can cause your greatest assets to become your enemy. You can't seem to get it right. Concerning other people and these relationships, people's intentions... In your mind, they're out to destroy you. This drives people crazy. Listen to David, nothing is left for me. David said in his heart, 
It's over. It's finished. It makes people frustrated and angry and hopeless. Saul's insecurities, perhaps, are always clouding his thinking. Scott Lamb made that powerful statement. He's going to kill David over a chorus. Saul slays his thousand, David his ten thousands. And this seems to be the norm of his life. He wants to kill his own son, Jonathan, who's just been used by God for a great victory because he ate some honey. The question tonight, spiritually, do you have clarity? He's so deranged in the end, he goes to a witch to try to find some clarity of life. When we lose godly character and, and clarity and vision, we become desperate. And if we're not careful, we make the wrong decisions. Jonathan, on the other hand, is a study in clarity. Where Saul saw a threat, Jonathan saw a king. In our text, he said to David, and this is incredible, he said, you shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Think of this. Jonathan, in his own right, is a courageous warrior. He's won battles. He is a great leader. You know the story of him and his armor bearer, this incredible story, these famous words. 1 Samuel 14, 6, Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come let us go over to the garrison of the uncircumcised. It may be the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or few. And so they climbed this cliff They engage about 20 men. They defeat them in battle. The earth shakes. God gets involved. um, And the multitude melted away. And the Bible said, so the Lord saved Israel that day. This man is a war hero. He has favor. He has a following with people. After this, Saul is going to kill Jonathan because he didn't want any, he's called this fast. Um, Jonathan didn't hear about it. First Samuel 14, 44, Saul answered, God do so and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. And then it says, but the people. 1445, the people said to Saul, so Jonathan die, who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel. Certainly not, as the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan. Now think of this. Here's a man, he has favor with the people. He has favor with God. He's courageous. He has his own history of accomplishments. He is King Saul's son, and yet he has the clarity. You wonder about his dreams, his aspirations. You wonder if he thought when his father became king, wow, one day, maybe 
Maybe, maybe I'll be king. His wife, you wonder about the conversations they had, their plans perhaps for the future. But here he has this incredible clarity to see beyond, see the larger picture. And he sees another man. He says, David, you'll be king and I'll be by your side. That's a magnitude of clarity, all he would have had to wade through emotionally, relationally, mentally, spiritually. It's not like with John the Baptist and Jesus. He said, I must decrease, but you must increase. This is God in the flesh. This is Jonathan with another man, a shepherd boy. Even the prophet Samuel had a hard time with clarity when it comes to David. Remember when he goes to the house of Jesse and here are all these brothers. God said one of them is going to be king. Even the prophet had a difficult time with this kind of clarity, recognizing ministry and destiny in other people's lives. That's really staggering Do you have that kind of clarity where you can see the hand of God on people many times that they don't seem to qualify or they may be God's choice for a position or a place that you yourself thought maybe maybe that was mine. There's keys to clarity. We all have blind spots This is the nature of being human. Paul's writing to the church, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Paul's saying it's possibly one of the most difficult things in all of life when it comes to clarity is seeing yourself. Blind spots, our history, our experiences, our pain. We've heard this morning, rejection and all the dynamics of life and how you were raised. These have the ability to create blind spots in our personality. He said, now I know in part how I view myself as incomplete. There's something missing in the mirror. How I view myself, I don't see what other people sees. That's why they call it blind spots. It's like prejudice. It's so easily to see prejudice when you're the victim. But it's often very difficult if you possess it. That's the reason they're called blind spots. People can see your blind spot many times in a minute. It can be an attitude. It can be a behavior. It can be you talk too much. (laughs) It affects your ministry. It's a flaw. But what makes it so detrimental, it's so difficult to see. How many ever had your wife say, honey, uh, can I talk to you? 
can I just, just, can I just talk to you for a minute? And she begins to tell you about your blind spot. And it can run from A to Z. Uh, <clears throat> what do you do? Oh, honey, praise God. I was just, God was just dealing with me about that. Oh, I'm, I, oh, I'm so glad I married you. You're a gift from God to me. Thank you. Let, let me buy you some flowers and take you to dinner. What do you do? Hey, girl. Let me tell you about you. Not just you, but you's mother. And you's mother's mother. Reason you're laughing is because it's so real. It's difficult. Jesus is talking about making judgments calls. And blind spots can be an attitude. They can be a behavior. It can be relationally. He says in Matthew 7, 2, For with what judgment do you judge? Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank, the two before in your own eye? How can you say to your brother... Let me remove the speck from your eye and look, there's a plank in your eye. I can see a speck in your eye from here to Georgia. But this railroad tie hanging out. Blind spots can hurt you and hurt people you love. Over the year, you read Years you read these stories about a father or a parent pull out of the driveway and their child is went after a ball or a toy and they're behind the automobile. They were in the blind spot. See, you don't have to be evil to have blind spots. It's normal. It's called being human. But people will fight you over their blind spots. We'll live in denial. The problem with blind spots, as we heard this morning, if you're not careful over time, it becomes a stronghold. It becomes an arena, a place of your personality where the demonic has taken advantage and begins to form a weapon against you and your destiny, your calling, your ministry. Clarity is an issue of the heart. You can be intelligent and blind. I mean, Solomon, I mean, 700 wives? Come on. I mean, uh, I mean, who can imagine? I mean, come on, just, <clears throat> we have a problem with one. You can be strong, Samson, carry away the gates of a city. 
kill a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And yet, I mean, you read the story. Don't it make you just want to scream and grab your head? What's the secret of your strength? I mean, the whole scenario. Tie me with ropes and you wake up. uh, Hey, uh, talk about a blind spot. She's out to get you, Samson. Can't you, I mean, can't you, can't you read the letter? Blind spots. It's amazing. Jonathan, he's a prophet, possibly one of the greatest revivals ever recorded goes to Nineveh, the whole city begins to fast and pray. They even got their little chihuahuas fasting and praying. I mean, that's revival. And yet God says, is it right for you to be angry? We're talking about God. I mean, what if God come to you tonight in your room and ask you a question like that? Yes, it's right for me to be angry even unto death. What's your blind spot? Humility is one of the great keys to clarity. Are you ever wrong? Could you be wrong? Pastor Greg last night mentioned glaucoma, the spiritual glaucoma, the disease that causes damage to the eyes, the optic nerve. If it continues over time, it causes permanent damage to your vision. Spiritual glaucoma many times is because of pride, jealousy, and envy. Many years ago, Uh, I was with Pastor Mark Olson, and Pastor Mitchell was upset with him, to say the least. Pastor Mark and I were talking about this. He says, I still limp today. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Pastor Mitchell got a hold of him, as only he could. And he said, you're coming home. You're coming home later. Forget the film. You're out of there. Gone. Finished. Over. Pack your bags. And... uh, I said, Pastor, I said, let me talk to him. And I said, Pastor, can, can I talk to you for a minute? Yes, Camel, what do you got to say? You know, and it's, you know, it's, I said, hey, now, hey, listen, God's at work here. If you make a transition, you bring another man in here, it'll take him two years before he even knows where he's at. If you've ever been a missionary, you know what I'm talking about. I said, and it's going to cost a ton of money to bring them out and bring somebody else in. Maybe you, need, maybe you ought to reconsider that silence. And he listened. Think of that today, out of Deval, some 300 churches. Campbell 4-4, can anybody talk to you when you're locked in on crazy? (laughs) 
And, and look at this incredible work today. One of the great testimonies in our fellowship of missions. If you've pastored very long, you've had people slip letters under your door or your office or mail you letters. I've got letters, and normally when you get those letters, sometimes they're signed, sometimes they're not signed. And normally they're not nice. <laughs> they have something to say about you, or they make some kind of accusations. I've, I've got them before. And uh, I learned something I want to share with you. When I read those letters, and I haven't had a lot, thank God, but I have had some of people long-term. I've had some people that were on the platform, and they're leaving. Normally, you get those letters, they're exiting. And I said, God, is there any truth in what they're saying? Speak to me. Speak to me. Is there any truth in what they're saying? One letter I got was from this, and they said, I'm against education. And then the second thing I pray, I say, God, did I miss something? Show me, help me. Did I miss something that it didn't have to come to this place? And really not even realizing, I'm God, give me some clarity. Do I have a blind spot? The temptation, and I've been there, is to go into attack mode and discredit and begin to point out all their flaws. The Bible says in Matthew 5, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's clarity. Clarity comes many times by conversation, face-to-face, in person. This is the day of the text queens and email geniuses. And I understand email. I understand, and I'm old-fashioned. I don't know if I've ever really sent one, but, uh, and I understand mass distribute of information, but in the Old Testament, we had the word, and that's powerful, but when God wanted clarity, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It had a face. You have something to say about someone, say it to their face. Pastor Greg Mitchell recently got an email from uh, someone, a foreign country, and he forwarded that to me. And here's a pastor, he's uh, in a church, one of our churches in a foreign third world country. We had launched him to an another third world country. He's making all these accusations against his pastor, the mother church. He's throwing names and money and church councils and all kind of stuff. Uh, 
if you read the letter, he sounded like an angel. I mean, if you read the email, I mean, he sounded like this spiritual genius that's been violated. But what I did, I contacted, uh, communicated with the church council, the mother church, people whose names he threw out. And I asked them, I said, uh, talk to him. So they confronted him and they've all sent letters and et cetera. And, and when they read his letter and he's implementing and indicating them, I said, that's a lie. 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 And when they confronted him face to face, He asked for forgiveness. It's one thing to say things. It's another thing to look somebody cold dead in the eye and they're going to ask you, where did you hear that? Who told you that? That's where clarity comes from. What? what? Well, hey, I mean, this guy's talking about money. And so I asked uh, uh, our accountant and church treasurer, Cynthia White, I said, I want to pull up all the records. Four years, we invested $150,000 in a third world pastor in a third world country. And you know how many people they left in the church? Maybe eight. It's amazing how facts and reality and looking someone in the eye and making statements is totally different than sending an email, E minus male, E-M-A-L-E. <clears throat> that's, that's a men's discipleship sermon, and uh, we'll talk about that later. But uh, Paul with Peter, Galatians 2.11, now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. Proverbs 18.17, the first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. Clarity comes by truth. And it can be elusive. Every man is right in his own eyes. Jesus, you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Sometimes one of the greatest revelations is just owning it. Saul would never own it. Remember Samuel came to him. What's that I hear bleeding? Oh, it's the people. It's always, let me close, a call to clarity. Clarity will cost you. 1 Samuel 23, 18. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord and David stayed in the woods and Jonathan went to his own house. Clarity is seeing the larger picture. The vision is, Pastor Greg, the vision of souls and nations, church planting, the possibilities, the purpose, the call of God. Think of David. He loved him defended him 
and died with his father, he never really saw him physically become king, to my knowledge. But clarity is seeing beyond yourself and your emotions and your experience, beyond your own agenda, your pain and your sacrifice. Joseph, in my mind, is a classic picture of clarity. You know, no doubt every pastor here has preached it. His brothers, his family, sold him as a slave, wanted to kill him. Here he has a dream, a dream from God about destiny and authority and influence and ministry. And now he's a slave. He comes into Egypt in chains and feathers, Potiphar's house, the lies, prison, forgotten, all of this. And what triggered it was his brothers sold him, wanted to kill him, sold him as a slave. But watch clarity. Some of the most profound words in God's word. Genesis 50, 19, Joseph said to them, now he's prime minister of Egypt and there's a crisis and these men now have come as brothers. First, they don't recognize him. He reveals himself. They're terrified. He said to them, do not be afraid for I am in the place of God, but as for you, you meant evil against me but God meant it for good in order to bring about this day to save many people alive. He saw beyond their violations. He saw beyond their evil and their intents. He saw a larger picture. He saw the ability to save a nation, a race of people. God spoke to me a few weeks ago and it was, it was just, sometimes God just drops things in me early in the morning. Righteous justice causes other people to respect you. But redemption causes people to love you. Let me repeat that. Righteous justice causes people to respect you, but redemption causes people to love you. Let me go back to Pastor Mitchell. Early days, I'm pioneering in Phoenix. First six months, had no one. Second six months or so, God began to move. Had probably 50, 60 people or so. Jim and Judy Ballinger took the church from us. And I'm homesick. I hate the desert. I mean, I got an Illinois car. The radiator is about this thick. I'm out on Interstate 17, and it's boiling over, you know. I mean, it's, I'm stranded out there. No cell phones in those days, you know, all kind of. I'm, I'm wanting green, not, not, not rocks painted green. I'm wanting real green. <laughs> and I'm, I'm homesick for the Midwest, and I called Pastor Mitchell and said, I'm, I'm going back to Illinois. And I, he didn't want me to. 
And I mean, the church was moving, and, and I know he'd had a couple in those days, a couple of Foursquare. Uh, one of them was kind of an area leader somewhere. He came through, and he was there in his service and stuff. And, uh, and uh, I'm embarrassed today to say it, but I said, hey, I'm a grown man. I didn't have no clue about headship and all, and we've heard about it. I had no clue. I was out of the assemblies. I never had a pastor. I called uh, the area leader one time, and he said, I'll get back to you, and that's been close to 50 years ago. <laughs> but uh, I said, hey, I'm, I'm on that. I might have been, what, 35, 36, maybe 37 years old. Some. Do what I want to do. <laughs> you know what's interesting? In Illinois, God began to move. And he made me leader in Illinois, mayor in Illinois. He never once ever brought that up again. That was redemption. Never once ever mentioned it again. Instrumental in Connie and I going to Chandler been the blessing of our life. Invested in us in Malaysia. He saw a bigger picture. He see, saw beyond my insanity and stupidity. He saw the possibilities of God. How could I not love him? In Malaysia, when, when these, I mean, these phone calls and people, and, and how could I love, listen, redemption many times creates clarity. I remember calling Pastor Mitchell. I said, listen, I'm hearing stuff. It's not right. He said, I want you here for the conference. I came in in 1990. Clarity. Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How can you not love him? Can you see the larger picture? Can you see the possibilities in people beyond their stupidity and their ignorance? That's spiritual clarity I ask you to bow your head with me this evening thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church were you blessed by today's message let us know please leave us a rating on Apple podcast or on Podchaser we'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven God bless you